Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language, and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to episode number 11 for the week of April 29th, 2018. I am your host, Ron Herkins Jr., and I'm here with my co-hosts, Tony Carter, Valerie Vidmar. Hey guys, how you doing, ladies? Thank you. I don't mind being called. It's one of those. It's one of the. uh, You can have the discussion all day. It's one of those weird like vernacularisms. I'm really not that offended. I'm doing well. I just came from a birthday party. Oh, at altitude. Well, your birthday? No. Oh. Altitude. Did you survive? Um, we were in a room, so I was fine. So I'm, Did they have trampolines in the room? Oh, rooms? and then our, our car broke down, so Jason didn't have – he had to jump it, so I had the truck, which I didn't want to because it's very hard to – I can't park that truck. It's huge. <laughs> I'm horrible with that truck. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, I'm here. So you were in a room? You guys didn't get to jump or hop? Or the kids did. You didn't try? I have before. Yeah. I Not today. Mm. Not today. But I, you know, we went to uh, altitude, but uh, last time we went to Sky Zone. And What's the difference? There's, there's, there's a difference, but let's, you know, I, I, I think it just depends. I like Sky Zone better. Other people like altitude. Doesn't really matter. I've never been to either one. I Same. wanted to, but I have this like, like I have this sneaking suspicion that like I'm either going to close line a kid or like no. send somebody into a concussion at no, one of those places. Not, unless if you feel like you can jump, it's fun. It's, it's a new fun. sport. It's an Olympic sport now too. Jumping. Do you a, jump? Have you gone there? No, but I've been worried about breaking or hurting my neck. I've been hearing horror stories. People no, no, hurting no, no, their no. Necks. And how how old is your youngest? Or how old is your oldest? I mean. How my youngest is, is still a fetus, and my oldest is two. Okay, because I took Harper when she was two or three, and they have a section just about, just for that section, like right there, and you can jump with them, and they think it's the best. Like Discovery Zone. Yeah. yeah, that was better. Growing up, I used to have a trampoline in our yard because I didn't have many friends, so I just had a trampoline that I That's bounced sad. on a lot. Ah, whatever. Um, but I taught myself how to do backflips off of it. And mm. I remember like... We mean off of it to the ground? No, on it and doing backflip. Oh, okay. And I remember missing once and like landing right at uh, like the base of my neck. Mm. And ever since then, I could never do a backflip again. It's just like it's stuck there mentally. No, I understand. I understand. And it's like every time I want to go to one of these things, I'm just like, you know, something bad's going to happen. But there's nothing like that there. There's foam cubes. You'd away. be surprised how easily I can hurt myself or hurt somebody else. It happens. We should take a podcast to the altitude and watch this and commentate. It'd be fun. Screaming kids on, <laughs> no. They do get, I mean, people, I haven't seen anybody get hurt, but man, the thing you have to sign, the waiver. Oh, yeah. How many pages? Um, it, it's, it's, probably, just, it's very long. And it's, you, either, it's even got a death release on it, probably. It does. Yeah. Nope. Because um, a, a man died diving in. 
he wasn't thinking diving in. He did uh, head first into, but they don't even have them anymore. It used to be like foam stuff. And I just realized that was an issue of mine right now. Foam cubes save lives. The phone needs to be turned off. There we go. Um, As everybody rushes to their phones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh. Well, as you may have noticed, we've uh, we've kind of took a, an extra week off here. Um, we did put something on Facebook. Um, we're kind of going back to our two-week schedule. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about this as to why. Um, but it is getting busy season for all of us individually, so that is a big thing. So we're kind of catching up here on the air. Um, so, Anthony, what have you been up to this week? I've been writing a lot still, a lot of writing. and uh, I'm so jealous. Don't be jealous. Just do it. Get a page, a piece of paper out and write. Say, I want to write. Write it a hundred times. I try. How about just getting an index card and writing an index card a day? Yes. Start there. So you're writing basically an outline of a scene a day. I'm better with uh, prompts. You like a prompt. Getting a prompt a day. Okay, I can. I will get you a book next time. What's I have a book. I have today? books. I don't know. Anyway, how it. much did you write? You uh, can send Harper around with it. Pen and needle, like poking you. Like, no, you gotta write. You gotta I'm gonna write. bother you on Facebook now. I'm gonna find you on Facebook. I'm don't, gonna bother you. Don't do Facebook. Just do just Slack. What Leave color? Facebook. Alone. I don't even Face go on Facebook. She goes on Facebook once every two weeks. Okay, then Slack. What I, color is sky? You can bother Jason. He's on there all the time. <laughs> but Sorry. Jason, Sorry, like, whenever Jason posts, there's these long, like, oh my gosh, they're books, multi-paragraph. <laughs> They're great. We love you, Jason. It's just I, I chuckle every time. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good because you can sit it's, back and just like. It's a book. But he's, he's always so very positive affirming. He so is a good writer. He's, he's I'm going to tell you. Positive. That. He is a good writer and he's a fantastic, you know, those cards you get. The cards. Motivational. No, no. Like just cards you get for a birthday or Mother's Day or whatever. I used to do that in high school and in college. I used to write cards for people. Sentiment writers. Job. It does a good job of writing. It's good money. I'm telling you what you write in the card. Yeah. Would you do this past couple weeks there, Val? Oh, me. Um, okay. Because we have a new kitchen and you're trying to. No leaks, right? Leaks are good. Oh, my gosh, you guys. The the Okay. So originally it was the um, dishwasher that leaked, mm-hmm. but we got a new dishwasher. And now the dishwasher tells you that there's a leak. Jason about went insane because he's like, what is going on? There's like this beeping. So it says um, leak censored or something. The guy comes and it's just like a mechanic. He stood there. It worked. It's fine. I don't know what happened, but it's fine now. So there was no leak really. It it could be a break-in period with it where it just kind of sense something. Did it call the mechanic for you or did you have to do that yourself? <laughs> they do have those. <laughs> that's a mechanic. Me. I'm saying that, you know, you when you're, you're, the Maytag repairman. I know. She meant in the mechanic way where like you have the car, the car and it's it, causing issues. You bring it into the mechanic. It's not making There's noise. nothing wrong. It's not making noise. It makes a noise. I promise you. Listen, let's just wait. But so mm-hmm. because the kitchen is a certain way, I feel like I have to rearrange Everything in the house is driving Jason nuts. Every time he comes up, there's new furniture in different places. And this is what I want to talk to you about because you're film pe- well, you're film people, but in different ways. I was a film major. Mm. Okay. Different type of thing. Um, I'm getting a lot of slack, mostly from my husband, and about my movie collection. 
I have a DVD collection. Okay. And so and Zoe, my sweetheart, has helped me. I started putting them on saying I'm going to like I have them all on. I thought I had it and I don't know where it went. So it's my film collection and so far we have stopped at around just under three hundred. Holy moly. And um they they work beautifully in these their target but they're really beautiful like cool pops of color blue um, cabinets mm-hmm. and they all fit in there. There's two of them. They used to be stacked upon each other, blocking a window. So I'm going to take them out and put them in different areas. And Jason feels like he doesn't he understands the books because I have a book problem as well, but the DVDs he does not understand. He thinks that they need to be. He's like, you can just get everything on. You can just. Okay, here's Ooh, the thing. I know what you're That's bullshit. Say. If I bought all the stuff that I have on Amazon, you know how much that would cost me? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry, but I would like. And I want to. And Zoe thought I was fascinating. Um, some of the stuff she's reading, like she doesn't know what they are. And she's just, it's like nine, one, one, two weeks. <laughs> and, 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 and she you know she I was like don't look at the pictures this is just, a mommy movie <laughs> just put it aside why do we have two of them dad had one too um so like we have a, she's like why do you have two of all these movies because I forget that I have them like I have she's like you have a lot of movies that you haven't unwrapped I know I've seen them I just want them but I have a lot of movies and I want to put them in the TV room, how do you feel? Do you think that that is just garbage what? or do I put them away so nobody can see that? I know Anthony is going to have different feelings on this than me. Um, I mentioned a couple episodes back that I kind of, I rarely go back and watch a film a second time unless it's something I really, 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 really like. And when I was younger, I was amassing a, a DVD collection. You know, I'm probably only about 150 mm-hmm. in DVDs. And then they started coming out with Blu-rays. And I'm like, I don't want to buy everything else on Blu-ray yeah. again. Um, and so I kind of crossed that line where it's like, okay, I'm only going to start buying things that I know I'm going to watch more than once. Mm-hmm. And so that has gotten to be a very, very small. <laughs> shush, shush. <laughs> I'm watching Valerie over here <laughs> control not. her burps. And I'm, trying not to, I'm trying <laughs> Just let it go. I can't. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and uh, so I actually gave away um, all of my DVDs. You what? Yeah. Well, I mean, because my face. I'm also, do you see my face? Well, you understand. I'm also a quality person. So DVDs on a 4K system look like crap. Right. I agree. They just don't upscale. Okay, so fine. there's for me to watch them, any of the DVDs now were just like, I didn't want them. So I gave them away to somebody who. What do they look like? Pixelated? It's pixelated. Noisy. Noise. And uh, so you I can still have a TV that you use. I'm an interrupter. No, go you're ahead. fine. No, go yeah, ahead. I'll interrupt each other. And so I gave those away to somebody else that they could use them and watch okay, them. Good. And so what I've kept now are like the specific Blu-ray films that I'll watch over again. And then started now with the 4K collection of, you know, like Thor Ragnarok type stuff, you know, stuff Don't that work. I feel that I can watch over and over again, like the whole Marvel series. I'm now starting to build that back up the star Wars. So like those are the kind of things that I'll watch over and over again. I'm not going to watch citizen Kane 15,000 times over again. So I have no need to watch, even though it's one of my favorite films, I'm not going to buy it just to 
I have access to it whenever I want to. But so you have them near you. I have a big. There we have a. So like a ninety inch, hundred inch cabinet underneath our TV, and in there are two big drawers of them, and they're almost getting full. I I want if. My wife is very argumentative in this, and if she was listening to this, it would be an interesting conversation. But <laughs> my ideal living room, I would actually be going out and buying like uh, not memorabilia, but actual like pieces of film props and stuff. I'm doing that. Um, and Jason, unfortunately, it's an expensive hobby that I've never really gotten into. And yeah, so, like, I wanted to get like original film posters. Um, and start putting those up and little film props here and around the room because I feel like that would be more That's cool. meaningful to me than showing off my DVDs. I've never really liked the look of seeing um, all the DVDs lined up because they're just – But they're not. They're like in a shelf. Right. But they're they're different than looking at like books to me. Like books you have, they're all different widths and sizes and okay. they've got character. For some reason, like I can see 300 – what DVDs, like but they're still all like that same format of, Got it. Uh, fine. and with very few like, oh, here's a collector's edition. That's a big, thick collector's edition. Or a TV show. So you're like, saying no. To me, I don't. You think I, it's I don't, I, I don't, it depends on how your feelings are. Like, that's where I would rather go. I would rather go with decorating my room with movie I can stuff. Still, it, it can still, it's decorative. I can send you a picture. Your, what are your thoughts? Okay. Jack? So... In college, I had in my dorm room, I had uh, storage space, like cabinet space. And in my storage space, I had all my DVDs. I have about 450, actually, SD DVDs in my possession. Right now, they're not in our... What's TV, SD? Standard definition. Oh. So, no, that's DVD. Yeah. DVD is SD. Oh. They came out with SD, HD, and Blu-ray. Got it. Um, so, in college, I had all these DVDs. When I got married for the first time... Only time. Sorry, Grace. Um, I was like, first, <laughs> first time? I actually... Um, Is this the part where we start taking clothes off? Or? Yeah, he's hot. So, okay. um, yes. basically... It's red. And, oh my God, it's red and yellow. And we're going to talk about that later. Move on. He's wearing a Bazinga shirt. So, um, basically, I collect DVDs because I watch movies. And there was a period of time when on standard definition DVDs that they had commentary tracks and yes, behind yes, the yes. scenes featurettes. I love that shit. That's why I bought them. But nowadays when you rent them from Amazon, there's nothing like that. That's right. Which is that, why I don't that want right. to have the digital download because I'm missing that That's right. aspect of the DVD. Um, now, Nerds. currently, my DVDs are in plastic totes that Grace bought from Target, her favorite store in the whole world. And they're falling apart because there's so many DVDs and VHS and yeah, I, I still have VHS. Dude, I, I still have, VHS. have a VCR. I have two so, VCRs. So I can still watch old Disney films and not the DVD versions because that's nice for I me. I have The Graduate. I like the texture of old film and especially VC- VCR videos. But that's a different thing. But um, yeah, I still have about my 400 plus DVDs and I still would in rather than be room. not anymore. They're under Marnie's crib. But they will be in our new place. We're moving, by the way. They will be in stands. My problem was that Grace had them under the TV in our stand, TV stand, but they were double decked to the point where I had to pull one out to see what was behind oh, it, and that yeah. drove me nuts. I said, "That's not fair to the movie behind it or the one in front of it." They were pushing them aside, and so yeah. you do too. You kind of feel like they're children. 
So I need to see them, and it's not me because too, I and want they make them. Me feel good. Just, I need to know that they're there, so I can pull them out and watch them. And they make me feel good. They're not alphabetized. When in about like oh, that's the other thing. Alphabetized. My mentor or friend Mario does that for me, so I don't have to. Marcy will do it sometimes, but I don't. I let them. It's their fun of organization. Because I was thinking high fidelity, and I was thinking, do I do alphabetize? Do I do it I by do it by year? Genre. Do I by do by genre? Or do I by time of my life? Do I by you know how and mm-hmm. high fidelity when he's trying to figure out? Okay, anyway. Um, it was it was funny because I had a discussion. It was ninety nine or two thousand with somebody when I was just starting to get like my collection and starting to build, and I said, you know what? I envision a world where like 10, 15 years from now, we can just pull all of our films from one central database. That to me is heaven. I can go out and get any film I want. At Including film comments. Link, like well, at that commentary. time, it wasn't that huge. This 99, so DVDs. <laughs> commentary was only around for about three or four years at this Black time. Blockbuster is still around. Um. But I was never huge on a lot of the commentary because there's very few people. Like I start listening to it, and I'm like, this is really stupid commentary. Oh my God. The commentary that I found funny is when you have like a funny actor or a director like in the same room talking about something. X-Men Those are- 3, Last Stand has a good commentary. It's funny. They make hmm. fun of the movie. That That's very made. interesting. There's a, um, a website, Film School Rejects, which has an um, article they put out every once in a while. It's called Commentary Commentary, where the writer of the article listens to the commentary and pulls out funny tidbits or things he learned or she learned from the movie by listening to it. And at the end, they have fast facts. And usually it's a mixture of seriousness and just casual stuff. So that's a little shout Full out. Full of information. Love that. Um, I'm going to keep him in the room. You know what? You should do what you love and life is short. Have you seen uh, the Steel Books? No. All right. Go into Best Buy sometime. Best Buy? Oh, Best Buy. <laughs> I was thinking Blockbuster. Sorry. There's one in There's Alaska. One in Alaska. <laughs> Are we going to that probably sometime soon? <clears throat> you remember me talking about Russell Crowe's steel, auction? Yes. Did steel you see like Colbert Thief? Or I steel like... Or not. Steel? St- John Oliver. Like the Man of Steel or Stealing? Steel. Like, S-T-E-E-L. Okay, well, steel. there's Stealing like... Books. Just go into Best Buy and look for their Steel book section. And you'll get a completely different perspective on collecting DVDs. We don't collect them. We watch them. But, um, no, collect- I think there's a fine line between collecting DVDs there's and There's nothing watching. wrong with collecting films. No, I buy them to watch No, them I think them. you might say, hmm. I need this. Because they're going to change the way you look at like the actual packaging of okay. film and like okay. decoration. Because it might be one of those like cross the line with Jason saying, oh, these are stylish. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. They're okay. really cool. They're like they're they're like aluminum. Uh, I have aluminum um, Edward Scissorhands. It's really cool. It might, it might be a steel book because they've got really cool etched in uh, com- covers. Yes, that's what his is. Yeah. His. Do you know why I still keep DVDs? Because I have a fear one day that I may be stranded someplace, and I have a portable DVD player, and I want to have the physical copy no. of the DVD. There may be a bomb goes off, and we can't watch things I... digitally. I still have the physical DVD, and I have an Xbox One, by the way, and I have no space on my Xbox because I've downloaded games, which I wish I had not done. So I broke my own rule with video games, and I can't. I, I'm running out of space. I it's have crazy. a fear of like Amazon or Netflix like going down, like losing Boom. all of my shit, all of my movies that right. I have, and then I have them because Amazon is going to crash, and now once all my stuff's going to be back, it's like iPod, my iPod. What crashes. if they do crash? And then you're like, can I get my movie music back? Well, 
only the music that you bought from us and you've spent hours and hours. I'll hedge my bets that technology is going forward and that. Primary that example, Amazon Storyteller shut down. I had a script on there. I didn't realize they were shutting down. I lost my script. I had backups, of course, oh, but God. I uploaded it. And it was on the site and they said, oh, we're going away now. Same thing with. Um, <sighs> yeah, but the film side ain't going away. Okay, I, I do it's, want to, it's too lucrative. I know. Anybody that listens, please comment. <laughs> do you keep your DVDs? Do you yes. keep them out? Do you hide them? Do you sell them? Do you care about them? I want to know. Grace hides I actually, mine. I actually took all of my DVDs out and put them in a big giant sleeve and tossed all the cases. I can't stand cases. Oh, uh, my aunts do that too. Oh, I can't, I can't stand, stand cases. I can't do that either though. It's bad for them. Anyway, but um, <laughs> and the cases are like. It's bad for the cases? No, it's bad for the. I mean, there's the so physical much, copy of the DVD. The physical copy of the DVD. I also have all of my CDs in three. I think we just tangible. We like the physical contact of the CD in our hands that we know is still there because digital means it's in a cloud someplace. So you, are, are you, you guys aren't CD people? I, I have, have my, all of original, my CDs. I have my CDs from college. Me too. I haven't bought a CD since. Well, me either. I still do when I can. I don't download. I buy all of I mean, we Paul have them. I threw something on the other day, but like three quarters of my collection is soundtracks. I buy all Paul McCartney CDs. That's it. Of course. Okay, we should we move on since we're boring probably everyone. We're not boring anyone. We're fine. People that, that for love this minutes, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, today's docket. Um, oh, God. Go, go through a little news we care about. Uh, go through our recommendations of the week. Uh, talk about our, today's stew, which is a little bit about Quentin Tarantino's films and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go into the news. Anthony, what you got for the news? So, um, first thing, news. British filmmaker S.J. Clarkson has been tapped to direct the new Star Wars film. Star Trek, sorry. I'm thinking about Star Wars. I shouldn't be. Star Trek film. Over Quentin? I don't know over who. I just heard. Because I know Quentin was in the pipeline for it. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Really? Yep. Thank God. It's still listed on his IMD page, too. Oh, jeez. Of course it is. Okay. Well, that's news to me. It's a, she's the first female uh, director ever to be tapped to direct a Star Trek film or anything, really. So that's exciting for me. Um, <laughs> maybe other th- people. Um, sister. Now, S.J. Clarkson, if you don't know, has directed EastEnders, Casualty, uh, Dexter, Life on Mars, Ugly Love Betty, Dexter. a lot of stuff in America and over in, in the English. So uh, that's news. I have two other things. <laughs> Good, because... Uh, Fox is uh, planning to uh, release a choose-your-own-adventure interactive movie. Wasn't there... How is did this, this happen, work? like, 10 years ago? Clue. A theater did this, and, Clue. like, everybody had an option, and it was just, like, the worst thing oh, that oh, ever oh, oh, happened. Oh, 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 people, seriously. Let me get Maybe. this up. Maybe. Go ahead. Because I'm pretty sure I've, like, I've had this story run before and it was like 10 years ago and it was just a disaster i'm only excited because i grew up reading these books these are helped me become better a better storyteller i don't don't disagree i just think it ended up being a disaster because when you get out of a group mentality oh they all end up choosing like which road leads to death the quickest (laughs) and i just think it just ended up being like unfun Mm. for everybody well it was weird because it was like i i'd have to hunt up the story but i believe it was like a it was one of those theater venues and dinner so you get like dinner and a movie and oh mother of god 
Sorry. Nope, that wasn't it. I'm sorry. And my last little tidbit. Are you? No, I'm not ready for you. She's to not out. So this is for Ron. My wife and I are watching TV, and Grace doesn't watch TV sometimes. She's always on her phone, and she was reading about stories about doctors and all that fun stuff. And his favorite movie of all time, Boss Baby, has caused a toddler to have a existential crisis. Explain. I'm going to read the story to you really quickly. So basically, we have a mother who told her pediatrician that her kid, who was around five years old, uh, for the last three weeks was talking about death and how afraid he was of dying to the point of trying to avoid sleeping out of this fear. So we have a five-year-old talking about death and afraid of dying. All because of boss baby? And not sleeping. And little by little, after 10, 15 minutes of questioning the mother, we realized that the odd behavior began after the last movie the family saw, which was Boss Baby. Hmm. So. Okay. She won that one. It's, I, I can't find it. I have it as an app. And I'm sorry. Please go reference like episode two, three, six, seven, eight for my hatred of Boss Baby. <laughs> okay. So, um... Why do I want to say it's Soderbergh? Soderbergh? Steven Soderbergh, yeah. Um, he put out an app. And you oh, choose your app. own adventure. And it had some big people in it. And I can't find the app right now, but I have it on here. And I will tell you as soon as I get it. But it's um, Mosaic. That's what it is. It's Mosaic and it's Steven Soderbergh. And it's um, a story that you navigate. It's an app. I just want to let you know that... Uh, you can try. You can look into that if you're interested. Pretty cool. Cool. And, I mean, it has some really pretty cool people in there. Yeah, he's a big. He brings in some good talent. I mean, he's the guy behind Ocean's series. Anyway. So, um, thinking trailer news. The only big trailer that I remember from this week was the new Venom trailer, where we actually get to see what Venom looks like. Thoughts. Venom. He looks like Gumby. Venom. He's Don't very. Tell me that. I like Gumby. In a bad he, way. It's, it's interesting. Who is Venom? Venom is. How, how would you explain he's it? He's basically it's, not. Give me Marvel. He's Marvel. He's okay. Spider Man. Okay. Thank you. He's a Spider Man, but just imagine. Well, I can't say that. Either. He's basically wears a black suit like Spider Man, but it's black he's, and it's, white. He's a symbiotic character yeah, that alien. basically takes over. How does he look like Gumby? Gumby's green. You need to see the trailer. No, I'm talking about the CGI rendering of him. Oh. Is he looks like Venom, but for some reason, Venom, like the character texture looks very not finished. Okay. Um, Did they not render it, or is this just a case that... No, it just looks weird. Mm. I just... I don't know. Never heard of him. You will. Tom Tom Hardy Hardy is like... Oh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> I know Tom Hardy. There you he, go. He's playing uh, Brock. Uh, Brock, right? Brock, yes. Cool. Um, and I like Tom Hardy. I only know Tom Hardy because of my niece. Just, it, and it's weird because Venom is a part of the Spider-Man universe. Uh-huh. And the deal that Marvel has with Sony is that Sony still has the rights to Venom and the characters in the Spider-Man universe. But none of that is going to exist in the actual Marvel universe. So whatever happens in this movie, even though it's a Marvel, it's not a Marvel movie. It's a Sony movie with Marvel characters. And it's the same thing I have, like feelings I have with like them never connecting the Netflix 
series or the TV property appropriately. Like all these things happen. It's like, you know, uh, wouldn't there be threads that touch other things? And they never do. Mm. So anything else? Um, I got nothing. She got nothing. I was going to mention something, but I don't, I don't want to get into it. It's political, so I don't want to get into it. Who cares? Okay, Nothing's well, off limits here. John Lasseter's due back to Pixar. Yes, yep, yep, yep. Now, is personally, I don't political? think he's... It's yeah. politically correct yeah. syndrome? Yeah. Okay. So I don't think he's coming back. I mean, some people want him to come back. Like, 2% of people want him to come back, and everyone else doesn't. Me, personally, after hearing what happened, what he was doing, I don't think he needs to come back. So... Yeah, I think, you know, he's coming off his sabbatical right. after being accused of some inappropriate workplace things with women. Yeah. And yeah, I think Lasseter just needs to pack it up and walk away. Right. I mean, there's other issues. And if he wants too, to continue but... doing what he needs to do, then he needs to do it from the shadows and not yeah. be in the, the limelight. I mean, he's a hard person. To, I mean, he's the guy behind pretty much everything we've seen at Pixar since... Toy Story. Toy Story. So... That's hard. Yeah. But I'm thinking for the last couple of years, they've been doing pretty good without him. Correct. Well, Pete Doctor has been tapped, I think, unofficially to take over in his place, but that's not official, so don't take my word for it. But I've been hearing things about they want him to lead the division. So, yeah. and that's one of his... I think I think there's enough good people in place in Pixar that it's, I mean, without John Lasseter, they're going to be just fine. Right. Um, it's just, it's sad that, you know, he did what he did and... Agreed. Here we are. So, well, I think that wraps up our sad and happy news <laughs> for the day. Uh, going to move on into the recommendation list. And uh, I'm going to just preface this by saying I think from here on out, it's going to be a very loose show. Um, it's been a very crazy two weeks for pretty much all of us trying to get back in here. And uh, now that we're here, <laughs> we realize how much far behind all of us are. So, Bear with us and strap in and hang on for the ride. So up first, we're going to go with Valerie. Oh, of course. Hey, 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 hey. Okay. I've left you off the first list, I think. What am I recommending? Um, I can recommend... I finished it, Leslie. Okay, so The Man in the High Castle. I finished season one. Um, I will agree with my friend. Um, it's beautifully shot. I had a hard time because I was watching it. You know, I wasn't binge watching it. Um, and it was, it was okay for me. She loves it. And um, I wanted to love it because she loved it. But at the end, it throws you into a total like, what? Um, I can't really even explain that. We're in, we're in a certain time period during, uh, 19, 1940s, and then all at once we're thrown into today. Uh, don't know how that happens, but whatever. And we're in, uh, it's an alternate reality. It is. Okay, so yeah. whatever. Um, the leftovers. <laughs> big piece of the puzzle. There we go. The Man in the High Castle. Um, I watched the first, I don't know. I, I guess I enjoyed it. I liked it enough, but not enough to watch the second season. I'm so sorry, but I just can't do it. Leftovers, I was hooked. Leftovers, um, I believe it was HBO, and Justin Throw is in it. Um, lots of Justin Throw is in it. Um, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is the man has no shirt on ever, 
and that's fine. Um, it's from the first episode. I find it captivating. I think it's very interesting. There um, are some fantastic single episodes that make you think. Um, let me. What I'm is sorry, leftovers about? Let me just tell you. Because I just realized that I didn't do that for you. She just went right for Justin Theroux and hung with him. <laughs> that is what happened. So it's um, it's like three years after, like uh, 2% of the population just disappeared. Boom, gone. Uh, and so the group of people that are left, I guess this is in New York. Wait, only 2%? Disappearance of 2% of the global health. Yeah, that's a lot. Anyway, the people uh, that are left um, continue with their lives. They're trying to cope. But then we have people that are trying to figure out why they're gone and they're forming groups. And we have people that are purists. I mean, it, it, they form all these different types of groups. It's fascinating how these people go on with life. Um, it's also heartbreaking. They have um, people want to have funerals. And so they want to have thing people made like they actually make a they'll give them a picture and there is a company that will make a duplicate of that person so that you can bury them and um it's very creepy um i highly recommend the series I am, uh, I think, two seasons in. Maybe Jason was into it too. So if Jason can't, if he doesn't walk away, that means it's watchable and there's nothing in there that's really going to be too upsetting. Um, you said this is on HBO? Yeah. Well, I think you can get it on Netflix now. Let me look for you. Um, but. Uh, the leftovers. It don't. Okay, so it's very different than. It sounds like um, what is the leftovers? There's a book by um, oh, Cameron. Okay. Do you want to talk about who went religious? Kurt on Cameron. Us? You mean Kurt left Cameron? Behind. You're talking about left behind. Left behind. That is not the same thing. That's it what is, I was going to ask you. It sounds similar. It is not the same, and it's nowhere near the same. And it looks like you can watch it on uh, Amazon Video. Uh, it looks like you can buy it on YouTube and on iTunes. So go for it. I streaming on Amazon is what you're see. Um, yes, okay. I do. But I I recommend that. Um, those are my two. So next. Cool. <laughs> How about you, Anthony? So let's see what was here. Up your, uh... um, I was on a documentary kick last couple of weeks. So Ron, last time we were together, mentioned the documentary on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. And the way he was talking about it, it sounded very interesting. So my wife and I sat down and started watching it right away and very captivating. And it almost felt like a real movie, not like a documentary that they just happened to. These are like interviews they took from people based on... It's just... I'm sorry. It's confusing. It's just was captivating i mean everyone was i mean sheila the most because she's not really a hero she's not really the villain she's kind of the anti-hero you see where she's coming from and how she's trying to protect the people and things she loves and it just was i mean she yeah like bouncing back to what i was talking about last week is it you know it starts her off as like oh paints her as the bad guy but as it goes on it really leaves it open-ended as to like 
You know, you're making up your own decision, your own conclusions oh. by Can the end of this. Can you remind me who she is? I'm sorry. Sheila was the... No, she. You're, are you saying Sheila? Yeah, Sheila. Yeah. Okay. So... And she's the documentary. She, no, she's the uh, main... Focus I would of the documentary? Of kind of like the... She, she was like the you. secretary documentary. for the leader. Yeah. She was the secretary for the leader. Okay. And basically what they painted it as is she was the brains behind everything and the... Got it. Everything that happened, everybody started trying to blame on her. And okay, from her perspective, she was doing nothing that she wasn't supposed to do or wasn't told to do in protection of Bhagwan. Bhagwan. Mm-hmm. And okay. it was it just, so yeah. deep. I mean, then you have the, the lawyer who's like so like emotional. Enorm- yes. So emotional. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We can go back. You can listen to last episode if you'd like to hear more about this as well yeah. it was crazy but i mean i felt I'm myself surprised like you didn't watch it this week <laughs> oh my god be prepared for i mean i felt like i just can't this is wrong right now. this is good this is wrong this is, i mean i felt like what is wrong with you? I, I was going back and forth like this is wrong but i understand her point of view i felt so twisted and i'll try disturbed you know? i'll try and the duplass brothers were producers on this so that was that's a good mm-hmm. for them but they're always impressing me right? jay and mark duplass the you, filmmakers, the battered bastards of baseball was their previous one. Yeah, it was really good. So I'll be looking into that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that carries into me watching Sarah Polly, who's oh. one of my favorite directors I ever. Love her, she's amazing. She did a film recently called Stories We Tell. Oh my God, I love that. So um, yeah, uh, to sum it up quickly for you. Stories We Tell is about her discovering who she is or who her father is. Um, that's the short of it. For years, journalists knew who her father was, but she asked them not to say it because she was not ready to tell that story. So I respect Canadian journalists even more so because they kept it from the public. They knew and they respected her wishes, which is great. Um, but there's a long story tradition in her family where people made jokes saying, so-and-so, Michael Polly is not your father. Do you mm-hmm. know who your father is? And that's kind of a weird thing to say to your sister. But over time, she began to take this seriously and question who her father was and i'm not going to spoil it for you because you probably wouldn't know who he was anyways but the journey to discovering this is amazing oh my gosh and it's funny and it's it's tearing and the way that the film was made she did a lot of recreations it got got to the point where i thought some of the clips they were showing in the film were actually home movies but Mm -hmm. she took the time to recreate she cast someone who looks just like her mother and her father and just I thought this was stock footage. I thought that her mother and friends had cameras with them when they yeah. were, and they didn't. Just Sarah recreated all these moments, and that to me was impressive. So this is a different kind of documentary. Mm-hmm. This one is, I mean, I'll go back. Wild, wild country, like Ron said, they had cameras everywhere, and in this story, they didn't have cameras, but Sarah recreated everything. So it's tops really off for that, it's, and it's very good. It's really, really good. I watched a few years ago. You watched it on Amazon and YouTube, and Actually, Voodoo looks like it has it. Yes. But where did you watch it on? I watched it on uh, Netflix. So. Really? Yeah. Okay. Watch I, it where it's free if it's available. No, I agree. Definitely. Um, Unfortunately, Voodoo is not free. I. <laughs> Even though they have the best streaming. Brighton Library has it, by the way. FYI, if oh, you want to cool. grab it. I so. loved. I really love that film. So I definitely agree. Watch that one. That's my thought. So two documentaries, two must watches. Cool. Ron, how about you? Uh, I've been all over the place these last couple weeks with stuff I've been watching. Um, me and my wife went out and saw Super Troopers 2. 
just because I needed a laugh and I loved the first Super Troopers. Um, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. I mean, I don't need to explain it. It's just stupid comedy. It's like off the wall weirdo stuff. And as it's common with uh, Jay and I'm just going to call them the Broken Lizard Gang um, because every time they make a film, when they're at their best is when they're improvising. And the stuff that's scripted is not good. But as par for the course, the best stuff in Super Troopers 2 was, you know, the stuff where they, they take over the Canadian Mounties. I mean, I'm not going to go into depth as to this film. It's just, it was a good laugh. It wasn't very great. You know, it's not, you know, I probably wouldn't even put this at, at a passing grade in terms of, like, watchability. It's something that if you want a good laugh and you want to sit home and just chill out, what if you have not seen Super Troopers 1? Then you won't get anything in Super Troopers 2. Okay, and if anybody just listened to the last two minutes and were completely lost, you're not alone. It's okay. That's okay. I'm glad that it you just got, got a couple it, Super Troopers 1 has some of the funniest improvisational bits in it, and Super Troopers actually, 2 doesn't. I've actually heard some good stuff about Super Troopers 1. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, I... it. I'm not like I said. You want to know more about it? Go watch the trailer. That gives you about everything you need to know about the movie. Um, I also went out and saw Infinity War now twice. Mm. Jason <sighs> said, "Oh my gosh, she's really he's watching it right now again." Yeah. So I went out opening night, How and was that? probably the, one of the best crowds I've ever been into. They were digging it, like full on cheering, screaming, yelling. Can I ask where you went? Um, that was Cinemark opening night cool. and Cinemark is to me or locally, it's the best theater to go to. Um, especially if you want a, a good opening night for fan night. Because Are you talking they, about Tinseltown? Yes. Okay, cool. Cinemark, Tinseltown, That's IMAX. That's love. Um, and a lot of people tend to get dressed up and go there. And, Seriously? Yeah. yeah. I look, I turned behind and there was a dude wearing a, um, Star Lord's oh. jacket. I'm like, and I, I'm not into leather jackets, but I turned around. I'm like, That's cool. damn, that looks nice and I'm like oh my God. if i could lose like 40 pounds i you're would on be your tempted way tempted to like i always wanted wolverine's jacket oh yeah and but now that i saw like this jacket in person i'm like oh, it looks really nice anyways um but the the crowd was really into it which That's made fun. the thematics of what happened in the film even more um hit home the things that i didn't get watching the second time um, Infinity War, if you have no clue what it is right now, don't bother. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to put any major spoilers here, but, you know, there's 19 films over the last 10 years that have gone into setting up what happens in this one major film. And I have so many major feelings that one of the things I'd like to do in the future is hopefully set up a roundtable where we can actually fully discuss these a little bit more because I think it alone will take up two hours of me talking. Um, but to see the threads from each of those films kind of be hit home throughout this film was, it was good for me. Um, Did you feel like the audience liked it? I mean, do you feel like everybody enjoyed it? It it hit in a way that I don't think any of the previous movies hit. That's good. Um, as I mentioned, like... I'm, you, I really, you can't say too much without giving too much away. Um, but the, 
you know, everybody's waiting for the end credit scene, you know, the stuff that come on right after the, the last, you know, you see the banner come up, Avengers and anyone, everybody's waiting for mm-hmm. something there. And it's the whole theater is just quiet. And mm-hmm. the lady next to me, you hear her sobbing. And I'm just like, Aww. this is different. And I don't know. But I are ha- you saying I, to wait or not wait? Oh, hell, go see it. No, I mean, wait to the end. You should always wait oh, to the you, end. If this is the part that gets me, if if you've been watching any Marvel movies, I know that I know. Always wait till the lights come up. When the lights come up at the end, then you can walk out of the theater, right? Right. Because they typically there's at least two, or there's always at least one. Our X Men, X Men. I'm just talking about the stuff that are in the direct Marvel universe. Okay, so that's well, I stay and watch credits anyway, so I. I know yeah. you do. Yeah. Um. Cool. I just lost my train of thought here. I'll come back. Uh, go. Go, see, go it. see it. Go see it twice. Oh. Did you go see it both times at the same theater or did you go somewhere else? No, we went to Regal for the second time okay. because uh, Cinemark was completely sold out it's, because we were trying to get in for the morning so we could get in here and do the show. Oh, and how old do you think you have to be to see it? I don't think it's a question of how old. I think it's more of a question of do you understand what's happened in all the previous movies? How violent is it? Uh, you don't see blood and gore, but people die. Die. I okay. mean, I mean, I can say that much. I mean, that's not a secret. That's been put out there for the last two years that, hey, people are going to die in this movie. Right. You know, heroes are going to die. Well, guess what? They die. Okay. But as with par with like most of them are, like you don't see like – major death but there are a couple like wow somebody getting their neck snapped you know somebody getting stabbed but you're not having like it's not quentin tarantino level of gore okay got it that makes sense yep so i'm glad you go into the movie prepared and enjoy it you know do your homework watch the films you know there's something I, I literally, you know, we had this discussion beforehand with Anthony. I mean, there is literally something from each film that threads back to this film and they're all hit upon. And if you haven't watched each one of the series, yeah, you can skip movies, but you're going to miss thematic plots that are wrapped up in here. And one of the criticisms I heard on Friday watching uh, one of the wrap ups from somebody was like, oh, there was no backstory. You have any character <laughs> development on. I'm like, you know what? There's been 19 films worth of backstory. This movie just, I mean, right out of the gate, it's into everything. And to me, the, this is Thanos's film, the big bad villain. This is his film. Everybody else is a supporting character. And Valor shaking her because she doesn't know who he is. He's the big purple dude that's made his appearance a couple times. He that's has? Roland. Yeah, I just Josh? I don't remember which ones that you've seen so far. But what? Give me something he's been in. Have you? S- he was at the end of the Avengers end credits. He was in. Oh. Uh, what was the other one with Loki? Yeah. Wasn't he in the Guardians of the Galaxy? He was in that. Yeah, the Guardians. That's the. He was in the first Guardians. The, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Floating around in a chair, looking ominous. Is he big? Yeah. yeah. He's the big mad titan, but From titan. You know, he's the destroyer of everything. Well, okay, so uh, there's there's this thing that was at the end of uh, the movie where Wonder Woman is introduced. Wonder Woman, you mean? Well, she was introduced. It was somebody else's movie. It was the two boys fighting. And Batman versus Superman. Batman yeah. versus Superman. And there's this thing 
that they're fighting against, they have to come together and fight. Yeah. What is that? Infinity that was Box. Doomsday. Okay, so that's not him. Different universe. No, different universe. Damn. He was scary. See, that was DC. DC has Infinity Boxes. Which we well, not Infinity. They have. Oh, right. Boxes. Los the Santo. name's dropping me. Sorry. Okay. All good. Moving on. So, yeah, go Got see him. it. Highly recommend it. Do your homework. <laughs> and then. Uh, you should do your homework. It's important. I know, it's cute. But yeah, that you statement know. the guy said, that's totally ignorant and totally like, have you even been, where have you been in the last? Don't say we, ignorant, just read the be. No, it, this is for no fans. Bad. This is for fans. This is, which there are many. But why would you even say that? That's just. But the whole. Oh, you mean the saying that there's in no general, backstory? In general, all because the he hasn't Marvel, seen them? in general, all the Marvel movies have been set up to be extensions of themselves. Right. The story never ends with just one right i have to and do that and for for the person to come along and like point out that like there was no character development it's like no that's ridiculous you know right it's like no you had like three captain america films you had <laughs> the captain america and bucky thing play out over three major films and yeah. it was destructive to what the core of the avengers was and that all played out in in this film you know, See, people, Tony you need to cram. You need to cram big time. Well, the two is yeah, just, I, I'm not going to say skip anything. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say if, if you really want the full experience, invest yourself in the 19 films. You know, it's it's a lot of investment, but at the same time, it's been out for 10 years. I think I'm going to drop the money. This movie's going to be collection. out for a while, so you're going to have yeah. some time. Um, okay. Cool. So, yeah, that wraps up. I'll be seeing it soon. Don't worry. We'll talk about it soon. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if I can get a, a round table going here with a couple of superhero people and maybe start up something separate from this so we don't drag this down with superhero talk all the time. But She's going to be converted. Don't worry. She'll get it. She will come along. But right. but there's things outside of, like, like the consequences of those, some of those deaths that happen in this. Like, I want to talk about those, not only in the film and the Marvel sense, but also in, like, the realistic Hollywood sense, like contractual obligations and who owns what characters and how that plays an impact as to what's going forward. You definitely need a roundtable. And that's something that, like, you know, everybody's like, oh, these are all, these are their big moneymakers. They, you know, they're not going to kill them permanently. And I was like, mm. well, guess what? They could. And they could get along with it and find a way to survive with it because they have a wealth of characters to draw from. So to be continued to be continued <laughs> and it will. And with that magic note, we're going to go take a short break and we will be right back. Hey, for you, the listeners of the Cultural Stew podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Audible, tell me about it. Because I am the greatest <laughs> fan in here. I don't know. I, no, I think I just have more, a little bit more time. I um, listen to it every day. Uh, but I think a lot of people do. I'm just going to say I love that. Audible. I, I, I listen to it when I can. I My biggest issue is it's always battling for space between whatever soundtrack I'm listening to, whatever podcast I'm listening to, and then trying to find a spot for a 20-hour book in the middle. I have an issue with like listening to several books at the same time. Plus, they have channels that you can get, and they have channels for fiction. I mean, and they have a lot of um, original uh, original 
um, material mm-hmm. that they do, which is really cool. So there's uh, one that I picked up a couple months ago that I'm still haven't making my way through. It, and it was on the recommendation list is Spoon Benders about a family of like. Uh, oh yeah, I heard about Spoon Benders. Yeah. The uh, well, this sucks. I can't remember what it's about. <laughs> But that's yeah, okay. It's different generations of a family that all have the same uh, gift, and it's telling their. I think that's that different. Um, that but it's cool. narrated very well, and it's very uh, attentive. But it's one of those like I've listened to it before I'm going to sleep and going to bed, so I only get about half an hour at a time it of happens. listening to it. Sure. Um, whereas, like with something like Ready Player One, I was so invested in it overall. I am, and um, I'm listening to the Alice Network. Another. My friend Leslie gives me very good uh, recommendations. She's also the uh, Bear Town. So the Alice Network um, is from Kate Quinn. Uh, she writes about it's about a well to be. I, I just started, so I'm partly through, and so far it's about a pregnant girl in France during World War One in search for her cousin, who everyone has said is dead. And she does not believe that. Um, so she breaks off from her mother who is taking her uh, out of the country to um, get rid of their problem, uh, which she does not see as an issue. But she gets rescru- recruited as a spy. And there we go. And it's called the Alice Network. It's It moves along really well. I like the narrator really well. So far, I'm really enjoying it. So um, it's hard for me to find a book that that wants me to like get up, start listening, and listen at bedtime, and you know. So yeah, I would definitely recommend that. Where book. where can we find that? <laughs> you can find it at audibletrial.com/slash/culturalstew. Again, it is audibletrial.com/slash/culturalstew. Go try it out. You have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Everything to gain. I'm telling you, um, I know that there are those who love the book in their hands and the smell of the pages, and I get it, and I do too. But there is also something about listening to somebody tell their story, an autobiography uh, by the person who uh, it's about. (laughs) And also, it's great for kids. It's great for kids when they're going to bed and the stories. Um, I read stories, but they also listen to their headphones in the car, in the car trips, listening to family books makes the car trips go a lot quicker. So I recommend. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash cultural student. Go there, get your free audiobook. You get one month free, 30 days free audiobook. And welcome back. Today's Stew and Media of the Week is going to bring us the films of Quentin Tarantino. Anthony, give us a little about the background of Quentin Tarantino. So let's see here. Quentin Tarantino started off working in a video store, like a blockbuster. I don't think it was a blockbuster, but we're going to call it something like that. A video chain where he uses knowledge of films to help customers pick out movies. So I kind of miss that with myself going to blockbuster and stores like that and getting 
knowledge that way. But yeah, so in the same time, he was working on his script for Reservoir Dogs, and eventually that would be made. And that was Oliver Stone, who I think directed that film. And ever since then, he's been... Is it Oliver Stone? Or is that directed what? Reservoir Dogs? No, sorry, Natural Bone Killers. Oh. Sorry, my brain. <laughs> so, brain scatter. But um, yeah, that look. So, um, but yeah, so Quentin's been in the limelight since... I think Reservoir Dogs showed his ability as a director and writer. Um, and he's been doing things ever since. He has two Oscars, writing Oscars for Ron. He won it for... I know Django Unchained is his latest one. Django Unchained and Pulp Fiction. And Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is the one that really kind of just put him on the map. Reservoir Dogs was kind of unknown, unless you were in a very certain group of people. Pulp Fiction was really, this was Miramax in its like, you know, full on marketing mode of bringing these little independent films to the limelight. To the limelight. And, um, I think it was probably the first film I can actually remember from Miramax Films. And they really pushed it. And it was just like, who is this guy with this really peculiar backwards writing style? You know, telling the story of basically from all chopped up and backwards and inside out and really delivering a, a pretty powerful film for his first outing that kind of put him on his map. And he also brought John Travolta that's the thing about Quentin. I'm realizing he brings a lot of people who have been kind of past stars, brings mm-hmm. them back. So he brought Robert Forster and uh, Jackie Brown. He brought John Travolta back from the 70s and 80s films. So she's heavy. Or not? She's heavy. Maybe. Cool. Uh, Luke who's talking was his last. Christy, Ellie. Luke who's talking? John Travolta. That yeah. was. Yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my brain. Oh. No, it's fine. It's cool. But yeah, so Quentin's been doing things since then and for Yeah, years. I mean, just going down the rundown of his films, we got uh, Reservoir Dogs was number one, followed up with Pulp. Pulp, Pulp Fiction, Fiction, which was then followed up by... Oh, actually, we are wrong, by the way. Reservoir Dogs is not number one because it's my movie that I'm talking about is True Romance. Mm. Well, that's that was... It wasn't his movie. He he made a short film that became the basis of True Romance. His first f- full-on film directing was Reservoir Dogs. Okay, well, you his, said his anything. Main... So I went by written by. You said anything by Quentin Tarantino. I went with written by. So I did True Romance. That's the movie I want that I watched that I hadn't seen. Okay. I'll give you that. Thank you. Moving on. So sticking with his main filmography, the things that he was labeled as director, um, we got Reservoir Dogs, we got Pulp Fiction, followed that up with Jackie Brown. Then you got Kill Bill, volumes one and two. Um, and then we got, well, there was Death Proof, which was part of the Grindhouse saga right. uh, with uh, Alex Rodriguez, yeah. Robert Rodriguez. Robert, sorry, I keep thinking, uh, yeah. So easy. And then that followed up with one of my favorite films of his, uh, which was Inglorious Bastards, then Django Unchained, then The Hateful Eight, and his upcoming one is going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that was the one I kind of talked about last week that has about Charles Manson and Sharon Tate murders. And okay. He has like a Kill Bill Volume Three announced. Really? Yeah. And um, from Dust Till Dawn, the series. I don't know. He. I, I watched The Dust Till Dawn a long time ago. George Clooney. 
<laughs> I don't know if anybody watched that one. I watched it with my you dad. You can. He's in. He's in that. Isn't he's in it. Skip yeah. It. Four rooms. Skip it. It's a good piece of filmmaking. It's good for people to see and not to do and what to do. It's like a student film. It was really interesting. I was trying to figure out which movie to watch because I've seen a lot of them, but um, there was a few that I hadn't seen. So um, Jackie Brown I had not seen and Hateful Eight I had not seen and True Romance I had not seen and Grindhouse. I couldn't get into Jackie Brown. No. I don't know why. It just never... Like it was one of those I watched fifteen minutes of it. I'm like, hey, thank you. Watched I, another fifteen minutes of it. Yeah. I watched fifteen minutes of it and was done. Mm. I should have given it longer, maybe. I Bridget Fonda. I, you know, I don't the whole feet thing and the whole that's Quentin. The thing. guy the foot loves fetish. feet. He's a foot fetish. He, he seriously does. He said he does. I know, but he makes gross comments to people. Oh, God, sorry. Anyway, part part of I think where Quentin comes from. Um, you know, I don't know the guy personally, but really? he definitely has his grasp and foothold in the 70s and 80s. Nice pun. B schlock, uh, <laughs> unintentional. Uh, the B schlock fest, uh, you know, that's why he did Grindhouse. Those kind of films, those B slate films that are all for shock and awe. You know, things that, you know, Pulp Fiction, you know. How many times did uh, Samuel L. Jackson utter motherfucker in that movie and put Samuel L. Jackson on the map for nearly everybody for the next generation? Okay, so I had... Because at the same time he did Pulp Fiction, he was filming Jurassic Park. Which was... The weird thing is that... What? 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 Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, right, right. Sorry, I had a moment. Yeah, Jurassic Park. That's okay. True romance. Hold on to your butts. Right. Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, okay. Thank you. He goes very like under the radar in that movie. I've Sorry. watched Pulp Fiction a few times in my life. Uh, when it came out, I was a freshman in college. Um, and then I ended up getting um, in college uh, at KU University of Kansas. They used to have these po- these poster. Um, you can get all these posters for a week, right? You go in and I got a door size, a huge poster of Sam Jackson to put into my dorm room and then Afro Sam it it was (laughs) awesome um I it was at Liberty Hall which anybody in Lawrence knows uh, it's kind of like the little here it was Liberty Hall for I mean nine months or something I think I took two different boyfriends to it so um when I watched True Romance I thought it was very interesting that you could tell that he was writing them so close together because he used so many of the different of the same stuff. It had the same rhythm. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you mean. Okay, yes. thank you. The rhythm of his writing, the rhythm of the conversation, um, the way he um, speaks about burgers, the way he talks um, about the way he has her beat to a complete pulp, but she manages to come back from it true romance uh as christian slater and patricia arquette and it basically they're the main ones um i love christian slater so i uh i dug this movie i had a great time that sounds sick i guess because of uh, what happens um it's sad it didn't get me but i will say that it you know, Vincent is one. 
of the names he used. Um, and there's this bizarre, I'm just going to tell you this because it's so strange. Um, True Romance has a link. Uh, well, first of all, it has a link to the first movie. No, Reservoir Dogs is next, I guess. So Reservoir Dogs says, Mr. Blonde, uh, a.k.a. Vic Vega, who is brother to Pulp Fiction's Vincent Vega. Um, those two are connected, which I think is bizarre. And in True Romance, he has... Um, oh, he's talking about... Not in True Romance. In... Sorry, kiddies, but there's a lot of here that I'm... Reservoir Dogs, he's talking about the fact that he was kind of dealing with this girl named Alabama, and it's the same chick. He has put so many of his movies together. True Romance is a connection to Inglorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction. Well, I think he's come out and said that everything is, they're, they're all connected. They're all in the same They're all in the same cinematic universe. universe. And I, am I talking too much? People no, just break in. So Pulp Fiction. We like when you talk. Thank you. You don't talk enough. I talk plenty. <laughs> Shush it. Pulp Fiction, the coolest thing. Uh, oh, we also used square. He did the square thing where she uses her finger to do square. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to Don't get that in my head. Don't be a square. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. But they, she also, but the other chick does it in True Romance. Also in Pulp Fiction, um, when they go out to dinner, uh, Mia and Vince, not Vince. Yes, Vince. So we have, give me a name, please. John Travolta okay. and Uma going out to dinner. She talks about her Fox Force 5, the show that she was on. And she describes the five women that are in the show. She basically describes every single woman in Kill Bill. And the one that she says that she is, is exactly the one that she plays in Kill Bill. In Kill Bill. The other thing, I, okay, I'm just going to keep rambling until somebody breaks in here. The other thing I noticed when I tried to watch The Hateful Eight, I did not make it through. I made it through a half, half of it. Um, for, me, for me, Hateful Eight was more about filmmaking. I, it, was, I, it was beautiful. It, it was gorgeous and gorgeous. beautiful. It and was. I am a huge Western fan, so I stuck throughout the whole thing. I just, did you notice anything about the colors? In that movie, yeah, I mean, they you, he, what did he go with Technic, Technicolor? Well, it was the a, it certain was very two out colors. Of- I just find it fascinating that I have been watching his movies for this long, looking at his movie posters for this long. The it red took, and yellow. The red and yellow. Yeah. When he has his, you know, Samuel Jackson's inside of his coat in Hateful Eight is yellow, and they have a yellow chair, and then the stagecoach is red, and then you go to Inglorious Bastards. And um, Brad Pitt's gloves are orange, or not orange, sorry. They're yellow. And you have Pulp Fiction where you have the red and yellow. Every single one of his movie posters are red and yellow. Plus he likes black and white. Well, he he has a, a huge thing for Westerns. And especially Westerns, 
you have black and white. That designates who's got the white hat, who's got the black hat, Mm -hmm. designates your villains. And I think he likes playing with that, like, he gives you the answers you're looking for, Mm -hmm. but are you actually looking for them? And, uh, but I love it. I love his use of yellow, though. I love, like, Kill Bill's full-on blue, a yellow leather costume that Uma wears. Yeah, and then um, what's his bucket? Uh, Christoph Waltz, when he asks if he can smoke his pipe, and he brings out this big yellow pipe. And, you know, I kept saying, oh, my gosh, look at that. And Jason's saying, I, I would never have noticed this. Um, Jason has never seen <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. So I said, I just started watching the first 10, 20 minutes of each movie this morning. <laughs> and he said, I'll tell you what. This is not a good way. If you want to look at the world in a good way, this is not, you know, watching a Quentin Tarantino movie to start out your day is not. <laughs> I, oh, yes, no. You're not, you're not going to look at the world in a good place. I'm not in a good place. This is not going to put me in a good place today, which is true. I, um, I, Quentin Tarantino's films are very indulgent. They are the, indulgent. They are violent toward women. They are, but they also have women heroes. It's, it's a very fine line that he rides there between uh, – Making them out to be heroes and beating the shit out of them. Not some, oh, not beating the shit. He um, does. Mis, is it misogynistic? I, I'm, I'm the, the words word escaping for? for me. Misog- Describe it. Uh, misogynistic, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the the treatment of women in general, like yeah, you emasculate them as the heroes, but you also God make them go through hell. Go through hell as the victims and Victimize. like. Beat them up, rape them. I mean, going through all that horrible stuff. I mean, it's just like everything, and you're sitting there just cringing. It's hard to watch. I mean, I guess you want, um, in Kill Bill, you want her to get vengeance. It's just the fact that this woman had to go through all this stuff while she is in a coma. And uh, what's his name? Chuck, who comes in and brings people in to have sex with people in coma. I'm like to Chuck. I'm Chuck and I like to fuck. He's got it on his knuckles. Mm-hmm. Buck. Buck? I think it's Buck. Anyway, um, I find it very interesting that just even recently all this stuff's coming out about the car that she's in and uh, in Kill Bill 1. Two. Wasn't there like legal reason why she couldn't say anything or she was just keeping quiet about it? Before? Yeah, she, legally she couldn't and yeah. she alluded to something and he didn't realize that she wasn't able to release the footage or talk about it and he went to the studio yes. to yeah. have them release it or he released his cut version of it so that it was out there. Although he did put um, her in a car that he knew was not working pop- properly. He did do that. Right. And, you know, I, it's a hard line. I'm not defending Quentin. Don't. Uh, at all. No, I'm not. I'm just, what I'm going to say is that there were things that were done during the filmmaking process that I think were not thought out well, not spur, or that were very spur of the moment things. There is the story from Inglorious Bastards where he they choked, uh, Diane, Diane um, Kruger, in a one scene, and it was famous. It was Quentin Tarantino's hands choking her. Didn't you but just it say was, it was her idea? Yeah, 
She had and no was, idea she was getting into a car. That well, no, was, she did. Actually. No, but I'm saying she did not know that it was not a, a car that was in working condition and that she was going to get into a car accident that was going to to. I heard that she her knew there was, I heard that she knew there's something wrong with the car. She wasn't comfortable with it, but there was. And he kept saying, "It's he, safe. It's a straight. Yeah. It's straight. It's safe." And it messed her up for the rest of her life, like her neck, her knee. I mean. I am not a fan. But he has said, gosh, he has said that he's very sorry. It's one of the worst decisions he's ever made. Sorry. Yeah. And no, I, I'm not defending him on that. I'm, I was just going to state that he was the one that pushed for the release of the footage so that it did come out, so that her story wasn't just a story. It was like, no, this really happened. And, you know, he took responsibility for it instead of hiding behind it because everybody knew that. You know, that footage was there, but who, who put it out there? Um, I didn't know that part. Did you see the, did you see the footage? I did. Side by side. And I didn't realize it. I mean, even looking at it, I didn't realize it caused that much of a accident because in, in watching it, it didn't look like that bad of an accident, Hmm. but you know, things happen and it was not a good filmmaking situation to be in and it definitely didn't make the right decisions in doing that filmmaking. And I think that is something that happens in Hollywood a lot, but hopefully it leads to changes that protect people from those kind of environments. Um, I think uh, it, it reminded me of uh, the exorcist when uh, there, when she, the mom, the mother, give me her name, please. Somebody. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I can't help you. Oh, my gosh. Ellen Burstyn goes into the room, and he doesn't tell her. The director doesn't tell her. Um, that you're about to get thrown up on? No. Oh. The director, am I saying right? Is it William Fredkin? Fredkin? I don't know. It I, doesn't seem right to me, but anyway. No investment in that He movie. threw, no investment. Oh, right. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Keep going. He was throwing stuff at her. He had no idea that... She didn't know it was coming. There are a couple things that she gets smacked smacked with uh, furniture and stuff. Um, if you get if you get the DVD, I actually had to get it online and overseas to get the director's cut um, and the commentary. She comes in and she tells about all the stuff that he did to her to get these reactions. And I think that these directors go too far to get these natural reactions. Now, some obviously, some characters and some um, actors want that to get the natural reaction. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot between the director and actor relationship that's very – you've got to have an established way of working with somebody before you can cross that line. You know, if you have a, an actor that says, hey – this is what you need to do if you want that shot. And the director needs to respect that space. It's when that director crosses that space without realizing where that line is with that actor because they haven't talked about it. So like I think in the situation with Diane Kruger, that space was talked about, but in this with the Uma Thurman incident, I don't think it was. And I think that's a difference of Kill Bill was made, was that 10 years? No. A little less than 10 years between the two. So six years in between the filming of the two that, you know, maybe he realized, you know, where he needed to be 
and became a worse director. <laughs> I don't know. If you want to go with uh, like a, if you've never watched a Quentin Tarantino movie and you want to ease into it, I would say that uh, I know it's not directed by him. I understand that, but he wrote it. And it's a, it's a good introduction to his writing, which I think is very important. Quentin's writing is probably one of the reasons why I like him more than his directing. I know he has some great shots, but his writing is what I like him for. So uh, True Romance, I enjoy the writing of it. Um, but he always throws in movies. The man loves movies. For me, For me, if... I was to pick all of them of where I would go as something I would say, use this as an introduction to Quentin. I would skip Pulp Fiction altogether, even though it's a good movie on its own right. I would give somebody Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I would too. Because if you want to watch Nazis get beat up, that's the movie to do it. <laughs> I have no problem watching the Nazis get their ass kicked during that. I don't either. I think it's a great movie. So it, it but- took out a little bit of that tension between like that the women i mean yeah there's the the women incident in that but diane kruger is also very empowered after that moment and but i i think i just i have many favorite moments of that film and watching brad pitt be a really (laughs) cuckoo commander of a uh they called the jew they're the um they're basically Nazi killing Jews that work for the Air American Army, um, but for me, that's that's my movie of Quentin's that I, I enjoy the most is Inglorious Bastards. The other ones, Kill Bill, I enjoy for the fighting sequences. Um, he likes kung fu, that's for certain. Yeah, and that and you know, funny enough, you know, most of the Western genre is comes from samurai movies, and so there's a the very fine line between bouncing back and forth between the Western films and the samurai movies that play through all of his stuff. What did you, did you watch anything that so, you hadn't seen? I hadn't seen Inglorious Bastards. So oh. yeah, I had read it when for Oscar time, but I'd never seen it. And then a friend of mine said, hey, you should watch it because there's film stuff in it. Like there's projection stuff. The, and my the friend Nitrate knows I'm into film. that. Yeah. And the nitrate film, which I know all about, which Eastman has some in the basement and <laughs> it makes me laugh uncomfortably. But, um, yeah, so I watched that, and I liked it a lot, actually. So now that's my number one Quentin film. And I should let you guys know, I'm not a huge Quentin fan. I um, grew up in a time where everyone was trying to copy his writing style, which I wasn't one of them. I was more of a Shane Black kind of writer, emulator. So having people say, oh, well, Quentin's writing is awesome, and it's just you know great. He's a good storyteller. I'll give him that. But I never really respected him as a writer. So I guess Jackie Brown and Inglorious were, they're not your typical Quentin films. They don't sound like his usual bloody mess i mean his voice it's is true. still there his voice is there but it it's true they, doesn't they feel are, like it is feel differently so i wouldn't know about jackie brown uh but inglorious bastards i think is my number one quentin and followed by jackie brown and i liked inglorious because it was a period film it was a war film and honestly truth be told also it was between that film and watching uh, the monuments monuments men which had brad's best friend george clooney in it and a whole bunch of other characters like John Goodman. And the film flopped, and I'm kind of glad it did because I'm still working on my version of that story. But going back to this, Inglorious. Inglorious has a story to tell. And even though it reminded me of Clerks with the whole chapters <laughs> moments in it, yes. it still flowed in a way where it was natural. 
where I felt Clerks chapters were hiding the fact that he couldn't tell a story cohesively together fluidly without breaking it up. But that's a different story I too. I feel like we're not even going into what these movies are. So, Inglorious <laughs> Bastards is about a we're commentary on it. Ragtag okay. group of soldiers who are deciding by Brad Pitt leads this team of ragtag Jewish men to seek revenge on the Nazis, and their goal is to scalp scalp a hundred Nazis each. I th- uh, one of my favorite parts of Inglorious Bastards is not even like what the movie is about, but who it introduced me to, Christopher Waltz. Yes, oh, I mean, let's get to that. Okay. One of my favorite actors, and he played the role perfectly. That's, That's the what reason I... why I wanted to see it too. Sorry, was because he was in Bond, and I wanted to. See, I saw him in uh, Sky. Uh, Spectra. The last one, Spectre, I think. Yes. Yeah. So I saw him in that. I said, well, I should watch now Bastards because he was in that. So um, so I went backwards. But Christopher is a great actor. I think he has a lot of range. And I he can't surprised tell you me. anything he was in before that. Well, he's uh, been hiding. Either. He's been hiding. <laughs> when I, and I, go ahead. I, when, I, when I saw him, I, was, I kept telling Jason because he kept saying, I can't watch this right now. I can't get invested. I can't watch this right now. And so I, I pushed play. Oh, and he's so. I pushed play, but. Man, he's such an oh my god! Oh, that first scene when he comes in, just he's so happy the, and just so like straightforward. He's the, and then he she, just you just see the long arm going out the window and shoots the girl dead. And it was just like no, he but doesn't. he didn't. He no. doesn't well, shoot her dead, he was dude. Going to. But he didn't, yeah. and that's obviously why the whole I movie also, happened. Um, just kidding. Yeah. Michael uh, was good in it too. I like Michael Fassbender was in the film, and the little bit he was yeah. in the film, he sold his part very well, and you can. It's funny to know that he speaks German first, English second. So speaking German for him was quite natural. His parents were in Germany when he was born. And so he learned the German language. He's fluent in it, which you can kind of tell. And there's a lot of, for being a Quentin film, this was a lot of foreign dialogue and not a lot of English, which was impressive. So for me, again, like I said, it was different because it felt like I was watching a foreign film by Tarantino. Mm-hmm. So a lot of French, which I like a lot. A lot of translation subtitles are not correct. But that's not his fault. That's Netflix's fault. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think everything was honestly. I could have watched the whole film about the rejection of seeking revenge by itself. That could have been a movie all by itself. But Brad Pitt's ragtag group mixing in that was funny too. And it's like, and as we were talking earlier, this is an alternate history kind of fiction. So this is what if Hitler and Goring and Goebbels were all in the same room together and exploded with that. and mike myers mike myers yeah <laughs> mike sorry i mean so yeah <laughs> i completely forget like mike myers is in this movie christoph waltz won i mean he's uh, quentin's won, got him two oscars two so. oscars one for english bastards and one for django so um by actor and supporting but both are supporting obviously but he's been in three of his movies too because he was in hateful eight as well yeah uh-huh. Yeah, he was the big, big old crazy beard. Right. He was? Yeah. Did I meet him? We meet everyone once. He's one of the eight? Is he? No. No. Never mind. I'm okay. thinking of somebody else. Um, I got it? to the part, in, uh, Hateful Eight, as far as I can, can tell, is about a man who is taking a girl to go be hung. And they end up in a blizzard. Uh, they seek shelter in this. What do you call that? A. It's kind of like a hostel slash uh, in slash 
station. Full of uh, some questionable people. And he picks up. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's interesting. So you have to spend time with these eight people and what happens. Um, I got to the point. And you think they're all just strangers at the and, beginning. And yeah. As it just unravels and they realize that all of them were sent to kill the same person. Yeah. Um, so that's very interesting. I Jackie Brown, I, I just, I couldn't get it. Maybe if I skip the first part, it just grossed me out. I just couldn't, I don't need a movie. The first freaking scene is women in bikinis shooting guns. That's Quentin for you. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated seeing her little toes, Bridget Fonda's toes with all the little rings on them, practically touching, you know, Robert De Niro's glass, which he couldn't handle either. Um, I I only watched that film from Michael Keaton and Robert Forrester. Can't try. Just skip forward. Can I skip forward? You could. I mean, it's a slow burn, so you could. I can't really. I just so I'm not that interested in that movie. Um, But I have seen almost everything else. Grindhouse, what did he do with that one? It was was death proof. It was like a a dual feature thing with him and Robert Robert Rodriguez. So it was was very much a, that was the epitome of the B-movie throwback. How many women got mangled in that movie? Uh, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure, I think the one woman like beats the living daylights and overcomes in that. Okay. She gets beat. The crap gets beat out of her. Just that's one of his things. Violence. Yes, it is. Violence and people coming back. I mean, do I like the fact that he has that he has Kill Bill and her vengeance? Yes, it's hard to watch, but I understand. Django Unchained, again, here we go. Um, I haven't seen that one in a couple of years. My mom has this thing where she says that he takes steps forward for female actors and performers and then steps back. So it's like he does this lurch forward, then kind of steps back a little bit. So it's like a constant thing, which is why my mom doesn't really get into his films all that much because it's the same thing. The female oh are empowered and like destroyed or obliterated and it messes with her and she doesn't like it. I took my mother to see Pulp Fiction. Mm. I don't think she will ever forgive me. And I had my niece watch Pulp Fiction. That did not end well. Mm. Uh, when the ending, when we had to bring out the gimp, she was done. Done, 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 done. So um, some people just can't. It just... He is definitely for a certain type of movie watcher, and he's definitely, you hate him. I mean, do people, like, kind of, he's okay. Really? If they watch one of his movies, are they, like, I hated this movie because it was horrible. I don't ever want to get into his head. No. He's not a person. I I don't think I'd enjoy a one-to-one conversation with the man. You don't want to do a Vulcan meld on his head? That wouldn't be pleasant for you. You only have two more movies, he says. Please, everyone says that. Well, we'll see. We'll He's, see. Because, like I said, the, the two that he was semi-attached to was Star Trek. But if Star Trek just got another director, then we don't have to see Star Trek. But that would have never have been in his universe anyway. Right. So I don't know how that <laughs> would have worked out if he was only Sorry. doing 10. 
It's like um, maybe written directed by Tarantino. I, I don't know. And he then said that the other one, the Sharon Tate, Charles Manson film is going to be awful. I don't know. I mean, awful meaning, it's, you know it's what not, I mean? It's going to be bloody. It's going to be gory. I mean, everything you're going to expect b- blood and gore. You can't not watch it. But, um, I have to say, <laughs> we probably will. <laughs> I have to say Pulp Fiction. Um, there's movies or there's, I love that movie, man. When it came out, I don't know why I was also 18 years old. Um, and when he, what he sneezed, what happened? And he, that's when he blows the guy's head uh, off in the car. What happened? Did he sneeze? Something happened where he did something and he just shoots the gun mm-hmm. by accident. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. There's just, um, his storytelling is very unique. Not for everyone. And I don't know what to even say except for the fact that I personally had a hard time thinking about doing this podcast. The more I read uh, as of late, it was hard for me to come in and I, I think that's talk that, about it. That's happened with a lot of people recently. It's like I'm if so you leave excited. out their personal life, there's many people that I, I've really appreciated as actors. I you know. know. Um, but as things with their personal life have come out over the last six months, mostly, I mean, I mean yeah. six months, eight months, um, it's really reshaped. And it, it's kind of, you know, it's disappointing because it really affects like how you can actually view these people's works beforehand. And yeah. it's trying to separate that out from the person like, it, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'll go right out and say like Kevin Spacey, you know, the, you know, it's just, it's hard. He's off. The, I mean, he, we don't know where he is right now. He's like totally gone. But I would say that anybody who knows me well knows that I'm partly, and that I'm being hypocritical right now. Um, because post 1975, I, I love Woody, Woody Allen films. I have, I own almost all of them. Don't love all of them, but I own almost all of them and I am a Woody fan, but yet we have his scandal as well. So, uh, it's hard to, it's, it's very, very, very hard. Yeah. And you have, you know, Quentin is publicly, or was it publicly, or it was a released tape of him talking in support of Roman Polanski. I know. You know it's like, I know. It's where do you separate the work from that? But if you keep encouraging the person, Roman Polanski, who, and if you keep encouraging the person and give them an opportunity to work, then you're encouraging them to act how they act and not holding any responsibility. And I'd rather live in a world where we actually hold people accountable and responsible for their actions. Even if it means we lose people that are in their craft are very good. Roman Polanski uh, (coughs) raped a 14-year-old girl and then he fled the country. Right. Yeah. And he's still in exile. Um, One of the books that my dad got me uh, was Polanski. But this is before we found out. I still have it. Um, But yeah, it's just... It's going to be interesting because Polanski is going to be in... it's. The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because he was Sharon Tate, his husband. I right, I know. So, 
So, yeah, well, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion, Quentin, before we, like, go did, way Did anybody watch a movie they hadn't seen? Yeah, Inglourious Bastards. What did you watch? Had you seen them all? I've seen them all. Did you watch anything this week? Yeah, Infinity War. This week? No. Oh, yeah, Infinity War. I watched twice. No, the last uh, was Inglourious Bastards, I think. I was, was Inglourious Bastards or Hateful Eight, one of the two. It was weird because when you announced it, I got did you see, I got very excited about doing the Quentin Tarantino because I always liked his movies. And then the more I read and the more I read, uh, being a woman on this podcast made me feel sick having to sit and talk about him. And it was just weird. Yeah. Well, it, it's, not a, it's not a behavior that should be encouraged. <laughs> okay, well, that <laughs> was not, an interesting gonna, way of putting it. No, not your behavior. No, his. his. It's not behavior that should be encouraged or supported at all. Um, but do you, a lot of people say... Yeah, but uh, you watch Woody Woody Allen films so that um, you're giving him money. You you must be in support of – you must believe him. A lot of people believe – I'll come out right out and say I hate Woody Allen films and uh, (laughs) – That's okay. I don't – I can't even tell you the last one I actually watched. Do you hate them too? I don't hate them. I just don't like – But he he was one I noticeably – after I learned about the – Stuff. The – Mia Farrow. Yeah, Mia Farrow and the that, stepdaughter. That situation, I just subconsciously like kind of put Woody Allen in a like I can't say a timeout. It's more like a permanent like exile in my mind that like his films mean nothing to me and hit going forward like I have no interest in supporting that. And I think that's what's going to happen with Quentin and what's happened with Spacey is like these people kind of get put in boxes. It's like how I can't go back and watch Cosby and feel good uh, about what I'm seeing because behind what happened with Cosby is this monster that just like I know kind of like guys. Me and Dustin Hoffman a little bit, but so. we spent we spent what we spent a majority of our youth and adult lives respecting this comedian who was adored a, him. Oh, kids can say the darndest adored things. Adored Jello and the Cosby Show and Fat Albert and but all now I can't. I just it's like. Okay. No, I have. I, have I am no... a horrible. Okay, so I'm a horrible mother. Ready? Zoe came upon Cosby uh, second season. She watched second and third season. Loved, loved it. Jason walked in, kept looking at me. I just kept, you know, no. I, it, it. How do you explain that? And I'm not can't. going to. And she watched because the show. we grew up on it. It didn't affect us. In she way. loved Lisa Bonet, who that's who I loved. And man, when she found out that I named Lisa Bonet. Do you know who she's married to? Lenny Kravitz, dude. No, when she married, they, she married Lenny Kravitz. Can I just talk? Do you know who she's married to now? Lisa Bonet? Yeah. No, I don't. Jason Moma. I don't know who Jason Moma is. <laughs> He's in uh, Game of Thrones, Aquaman. Oh, my God. Anyway, so Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz, who, oh, my They had a daughter named Zoe with umlauts, just saying. And then Zoe uh, from West Wing, Zoe Bartlett, the president's daughter. Yes, I'm a West Wing nerd. That's who Zoe was named after. And when she, she loved Lisa Bonet. That was her favorite character. She loved her. And when I said you're named after her daughter, I thought she, her head was going to pop off. So, um, okay. I don't, he does not do anything for me. 
I don't hate Woody Allen. I don't not like him. It's just I, nothing about his humor caught my attention ever. And I only watched Blue Jasmine because Bobby was in it. Eh, Kevin yeah. Alley. And um, those aren't the movies to watch. Sorry, Hawk. I mean, I only watched it because he was and she were. I like Sally. And I like Bobby. Otherwise, I would not have. Have watched you read it. anything else? I don't have any interest in his style of humor. Okay. So and by Dustin the way, and I watch every one of his movies. Mm-hmm. Dustin that came here. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. But then Blue Jasmine was a, I felt like a remake of Streetcar Named Desire. I, did so. like <laughs> ja- I didn't like Blue Jasmine. I didn't like Blue Jasmine. It's a remake of, modern update of. I started Street watching Car. Woody movies when I was 16. I went and like, picked out Husbands and Wives, I think, and watched it. And for some reason, I loved it. It was strange. I loved that 70s feel and I Husbands and Wives and... Crimes misdemeanors and all that stuff. I just loved for some. It's wacky. I don't know. Uh, but um, Midnight in Paris, I believe. Is that? That's, yeah. F- fantastic movie. Just going to throw that out there. Anyway, um, separating people from, separating the artist from their work. I had a hard time with that with Charlie Chaplin. And I had a hard time with that with Dustin Hoffman, who made Tootsie, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Because I don't know. What I don't know. Dustin Hoffman? No, I do. But I don't know what you're talking There's about. There's a couple of incidences in the past where a, um actress said that he was doing things he should have done. I'm not going to elaborate on it because they're still investigating that. But it's pretty much a lot of touchy-touchy and groping and things like that. And he's like almost 80 now, I think. So... I love Dustin Hoffman. And Dustin, yeah. by the way, Dustin, they came in here, named after Dustin Hoffman. See, and I love Tootsie for what it stands for, for what it means for women. Tootsie. And then it's hearing that he's doing this or did that. It's like, okay, I can't anymore. So. I know. Uh, hard. It's hard. And it's, it's, it's definitely, it's not done. I mean, it's still going to continue. Right. As people gather the courage and. But maybe people can stop. Well, hell. Well, well, no, 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 no. I mean. The the stories yeah. of oh, of people that have been out. in it for a long ben time. Ben Affleck, that came out. I mean, not a fan of him, but yeah. No, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. his stuff came out, and I mean, it, it, they, it just keeps happening, keep happening. I don't even we don't even need to. Well, the the culture can't change without this happening, right? So, That's right. And unfortunately, you know, so am Hollywood I, was always known for the casting couch. Right. So here's and, my dilemma as a woman on this podcast doing this thing about, you know, Quentin Tarantino. And mm-hmm. it it was hard. It's hard. But it needs to be talked about. I mean, and I'm a film student. So it was hard for me to be like, OK, well, shit. So women out there listening to this, don't think I didn't struggle with it. Well, it is hard. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, and you're talking about it, which is a good thing. So, you're not afraid. You weren't afraid. You came on here and you're speaking how you feel, and we value that. And I'm sure our listeners will too. So, that's what we do. Okay. Chris Sparker's controversy. So, that wraps up our Stew and Media of the Week. Hope you were entertained. We are. We are whatever. I think we're. (laughs) I think we're kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, next show is going to go to Tony with Topic and Media. I think we're going to talk about gimmicks and how they work and don't work. And You mean like infinity boxes? No. 
more like things that people, I mean, like Avatar is 3D. Was that necessary? I think in a way it kind of works for the film. Oh my gosh. I stand by my comments with Avatar. It was the only film that I've ever watched that has rightfully used 3D because it was filmed with 3D in mind. And I agree. I agree with that. Jason loved that movie. I have not seen another one. But I mean, we could talk about this later. Yeah, and then and that, but I'm gonna recommend we watch Scanner Darkly. I mean, I've seen it several times. I have it on DVD. So but you said it works. It does work. So yeah. I want to talk about how that works. Okay. In that film, how I think that. Do you have a movie that doesn't work? I'll find one. Okay, please find one and then send it over. I will do. Because the gimmicks. I... Does Who Framed Roger Rabbit fall? In this? Oh my gosh! I totally was gimmick. about to say it. That's not a gimmick. That actually was a test. Cool World. I Same know. thing. I'm not saying it's a. I, I, I would still say it's a gimmick because it was a fusion of false styles, false styles. But I think it worked. It does work because of the way the storyline played out. Cool World worked too. It's a good film. Brad Pitt's a baby in that film, and a cool. Okay, gimmicks meaning they use t- different types of film throughout. It's basically they're using different technology, or they're just trying to they're using something to draw you in. So whether it be an actor or technology, or Jaws 3D, <laughs> horrible gimmick, awful. Yes. See, no. we're going to talk about that next okay. week. Okay, that's what we're talking cool. about. Cool. That should be, uh, well, not next week, two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. So Two weeks from now, two right, Saturday. Now. Yeah, don't we don't need to talk about our schedule on that one. No. Or not. It could be any day. It'll be out when it's out. Right. In about two weeks. Ish. Okay. Uh, I have Kids Corner, correct? Kids Corner, sure. It's my turn. I watch nothing in Kids Corner unless we consider Infinity War a kids movie. Um, so Kids Corner, I'm kind of uh, getting my lead from my eight-year-old. Now, listen, Zoe, uh, I'm just going to say she does watch shows that are slightly more advanced. Do I go and sit and watch, make sure that they're okay? Yes, I do. Um, this one is on uh, Netflix, and it's an original. It's called Alexa and Katie. And these are two girls that are going into high school. They are best friends. Alexa has cancer. Uh, she loses her hair. And Katie shaves her head in solidarity. Um, this is just kind of, um, it is a great friendship. I do appreciate uh, the way that they care about each other. I do appreciate the fact that they show a modern-day um Girl friendship. I mean, I met my best friend uh, around the time. Well, before summer, before eighth grade. Still best friends to this day, but it was this type of thing. Um, and I love the way I did tear up with a couple of scenes with how they deal with cancer in her school. Um you will recognize Alexa's mother. She is T- Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Um which I, I was sitting there like, I didn't there. Say by the bell. Yeah, but it took me a while because I didn't watch that show. Um, <gasps> I know, dude. I'm sorry. I just wasn't there. Wow. She was a freshman in college when it hit. But um, they're saying the show is meant for anybody around that age group. But um, if you have a somewhat um, more intellectual eight-year-old, 10-year-old, I say it's okay. I would sit and watch it with them and explain a couple things. But um, 
Netflix, Alexa, and Katie watch it. Cool. So, I want to keep talking about Wild Wild Country because it's a good movie documentary series on Netflix. But the soundtrack is coming out in a couple weeks, so I'll be picking that up. So that's by Brocker Away, the soundtrack composer. It's a nice. I mean, how do you Ron, how would you describe the soundtrack? Kind of rural, but dumps. So there's no Indian influence in the music. It's all like Western, Midwest. Yeah,、Asian. it's that very.、Um, I can't even say folky. Yeah, it's like a modern Midwest vibe. It, I'll put it this way: it didn't attract me enough to make me want to hear it. But it might be interesting to hear it outside of the show. It's not on Spotify yet, so I can't no, preview、yet. it soon, though. But that's what I'll be listening to when it comes out, and that's what I look forward to seeing and hearing in the coming weeks. I'm still stuck on、uh, Far Cry Five. It's become very addicting, so I need to like pry myself away from it now and come back to it in a couple weeks. Like stuck on levels, or just like the no, where you just like there's so、play. much stuff to do. Oh.、Um, It is a long story, so there's a lot to do. Okay. Police are coming to get us. <laughs> Val, what's on your、uh, radar and cue this week? Radar and cue. Um, I think I was going to watch Man in the High Castle season two. I don't think so. I thought there was something I was going to watch. But I can't think of it. This week is a little busy for me. So,、um, in my queue for this week, so we're gonna get a little.、Uh, I'm gonna get a little PSA for you. We're gonna hold that PSA. We're gonna. Me and Tony are gonna wrap up our queues, and then we'll come back to that PSA. Fine. Just、right. so we don't throw、Usually. it out. Fine. So、uh, I'm still finishing up Lost in Space and digging into Better Call Saul season three. Um, I know season four starts up sometime soon.、Um, it's just one of those backlog things. I'm just trying to go through. Better Call Saul is really well written, fun to watch.、Um, Lost in Space is really good. Just haven't had time to like. Oh, let's watch several hours worth of footage.、Um, uh, the Infinity War soundtrack. Put that on my、uh, queue earlier this week. I've listened to it about twice now. It's probably one of the better things that Alan Silvestri has done. He just recently did Ready Player One、okay. soundtrack.、Um, this is good. This is, has some really nice pieces in it.、Um, and then Radar over the next couple of weeks. The only thing that's, I mean, I've got a lot of stuff to finish up. I've got to finish up Bosch as well.、Um, out in the theaters, though, Terminal is the only thing that looks moderately interesting. It's got Margot Robbie and Simon Pegg in it.、Um, really weird. Go watch the trailer.、Um, it's different. But Simon、yeah. Pegg's always fun to watch, no matter what kind of role he's in. True.、Um, and Margot Robbie, I'm kind of starting to appreciate her a little bit more、like、as an、I've、actress lately.、That. No, not Terminal with.、Steven、no, no,、Stiller. no. I feel like I've seen the, the trailer. Okay. It's very、uh, greenish and bright, popping colors, and she at the end of it, she's as a nurse. She has a nurse costume on. Mm-hmm.、Hey, weird. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to be watching or finishing watching Lost in Space. I finished the first episode, so I'm going to try to get to the rest. It's, it's kind of long. One, the, the new, new one. one on Netflix. How、yeah. is it? Because it's, it's good. It's supposed to be for kids. No, no. dude. No, Lost in Space for kids. Not. I'm not kidding. No, Even the, the, new, Lo- the new Lost in Space is not. Hold on. Directed at kids. 
One moment, please. Um, I'll be trying to tackle some uh, really? nostalgia films. So I'm going back in the past closet to the 80s, looking for stuff there. I don't know. I'm going to find something, I think. But Lost in Space is on my queue primarily right now to figure out and sort through. It's just I need to find that time, like Ron said, just I sit th- down. I think I'm... I think I'm five episodes i might be six episodes in and i think it is just fantastic the the father is from uh black sales right that was on stars the mother is off uh house of cards just got him off a house of cards molly parker and i think the kids are what sell this thing well written um i think the little the little boy that plays will is fantastic okay that's why people sorry i didn't see tvpt Um, i saw the and i like their approach to like how they're approaching the robot. Like that robot can go back and forth between is he good now or is he evil? And it had Parker Posey. It has like, it has Parker Posey. Yes. I hate her. No, are you, you kidding don't. me? No, no, no. In this. Oh, okay. I like, okay. I think I've said at least once Holy or twice per episode crap. to my wife that I like, once you, how far are you in? I'm in the first episode. Almost okay. done. Once you get into about like fifth or sixth, you're going to be wanting to reach through the screen and just choke her and say, I hate this character. I hate what she's doing to the family. I hate what, what she is as a do. person. So she's being a good actress or you hate Parker The character Posey? is manipulative. The character. The character. Okay. Well, she's doing awesome. a good job. Oh, yeah. She's doing a great job. I'm Always. Just, I, I hate Have you seen House of Yes? The character. Okay. First of all, I saw that when I was in high school before I saw the show at NAS. That was my first NAS show in high school. Oh, my God. So, so great. Yes. Own that. Own that DVD, Creepy. by the way. And you got a young... Um, Freddie Prince Jr. in the film. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? I know. He's funny. It he's, is a very funny good. movie. He's House of Yes with Parker Posey. I almost play. named my daughter Parker no. because Prince of Parker Jr. Posey. He, I don't think he's doing anything. I think he's a... Uh, Semi-retired actor. Yeah. I, I think he's a sports marketing dude. I think he... I know Sarah's still doing stuff, so I appreciate that. I miss her a lot. Do you? Sarah, yeah, I do. do you, are you guys um, Buffy fans? Uh, that's why I mentioned Sarah, yeah. Because... No, I, I, I never watched it. My um, friend Leslie. And I never really had an interest in it at the time. My, I think my wife watched all of it. My friend keeps pushing me and pushing me. Leslie, pushing, pushing, pushing. You, you haven't watch. seen... This is what she's saying to me. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Just trust me. Just trust me. And I. It's Joss's show. His baby. Good. You should watch it. Don't watch the movie. Watch the show. I think I'm going to have some time. You I should. just remember when we were watching uh, watch. Bones. I'm like, I've never seen this David Boreanaz guy before. She's like, he's Angel off of Buffy. I'm like, what? And he has a tan. He's not pale <laughs> anymore. So it's great. His contract means he can go in the sun. And yeah, it's great. So. so. Yeah. Joss had a thing in her contract where James Marsters, who plays Spike, and David, who plays Angel, were not allowed to go out during the day. They had to stay inside during the day. They could only go out at night. So that it. ruined their whole social life for Tell you what, that'll be years. my binge. I think David Boreanaz has a, a good social life now. I yeah. don't think he's got issues in that. James is doing audiobooks and Comic-Cons. I'll have, I'm going to, that'll be, maybe that'll be my binge. Smallville, that's right. Buffy, yes. It's good for people who like to read. Who like fantasy and like it's like fantasy okay. on screen. Allegories. As long as it's not anything like Charmed. Definitely not. No. Okay, good. Because no. I was a little worried. More intelligent for some strange reason. More intelligent. <laughs> I'm going to use it all. They ever get they they were crowdfunding a film, weren't they? That's a fluffy the vampire slayer. It's an English spoof thing. I think. No, I think no. They there were, was a I Buffy the Vampire. They, they were crowdfunding Buffy. Buffy movie. the Vampire. Well, I went to go. First, see. it was like a couple years ago. I think they crowdfunded. Oh. 
Well, sorry. I'll look into I... that. Um, once you get past the first season, you'll be fine. Just oh, get through the first season. That's kind of what she said. And then that's it goes from there. You're, Grace will watch it I said me. the movie and she said, please, no. No, no, no. No, no. It's not the does movie. not exist. I'm like, okay. does not exist. Angel, Grace has not gotten into Angel. She says a lot darker and I think it's slower for her. So she's not gotten into it. But Buffy, she's seen the whole thing with me. Really? Loved it. Yeah. We're still on season two. How of, old do you think it have to be? 12, 13. Okay. Shoot. I mean, if your joys are immature, they can handle it. There's a lot of well, I don't know. sexual I mean, metaphors that you may have to explain to them. I don't want to explain sexual metaphors. Well, do there are there are visual scary no, things? No, this was on uh, the CW or sorry, DWB in its prime. So there okay. was no. Nudity. She has problems with visuals more than she has with uh, like audio. There's some biting because they kill people with bite bites, but there's no excessive blood. There's no blood really. It's just biting you. You're dead. So okay, cool. You're fine. I will binge on that. You should, and you'll like. Wow, this is awesome. Okay. Joss is giving me a hard time too, but I don't want to get into that story. I don't want to go back there. I don't. But um, yeah. So in your queue, Valerie. Okay, so now Buffy is going. Okay, so Buffy is going to be my binge. My binge. I think it comes at the right time. It does. I guess so. I guess so. Um, so I'm going to be on the, uh, I'll be on the mend for a little bit. I am 43 years old. I don't know if I've ever said that before on here, but I'm 43. And I went in to get my first mammogram. Uh, I went into Elizabeth Wendy, by the way, which I do recommend. And I should have probably gone when I was 40, but I did not. First mammogram came out. Uh, I do have cancer. I am getting a double mastectomy. I just, this is not uh, one of those things for uh, comments. It's more of, I'm coming to tell you that, look, I didn't even think anything about it. I'm just going to go in and get my, okay, fine. Everybody kept saying, go in, get your mammogram. I just didn't do it. Um, And I came out and this is what happened. So, um, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to live. Everything's going to be okay for me. Um, and a lot of women aren't. Um, and I just want everybody to, if you're a woman, go get your mammogram. If you're, I don't know, listening to this and love a woman, go tell her to go make sure that she gets her mammogram every year. It's important and if it's in her family at all, she needs to go early. Uh, so I just, I we just want to, so the guys are being awesome about the fact that, so we're going to kind of take things a little differently as far as uh, the yeah, podcast. We're going to, we're going to slow down a little bit. Um, we're actually, we're coming into a busy season and out of respect for, you know, I don't want to bring in another host to replace Valerie um, because we love having her on the show and I love having her voice here. Um, We're going to move back to a a two-week schedule right now why this happens and so she can get her recovery in and we don't lose her and we're going to try to do at least one remote episode in there so that'll give her a good month uh, of recovery in there in between episodes. Um, And Anthony's got a baby coming on the way, aside from the baby he's already got taken care of. When is the due date? June 21st. So that's coming up quick. So, And then I'm Summer in... Summer solstice. 
Summer solstice, yeah. baby. Yes. And then mine, in order of like most important things to, <laughs> to super least important things, my, my summer is getting busy as racing season starts and sure. photography and theater. Um, so we just thought it was wise just to just to kind of break this back to a two-week schedule for a little while, mm-hmm. just to give us all a little bit of a breather and let us take care of our families and ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I hope you'll stick around with us. And we're still going to be here. We're still going to talk about things. And Keep watching movies. Yeah, keep yeah. watching movies because that's what we like to do. And we do. Occasionally talk about other stuff. Occasionally. So that wraps up our show. Um, Tony, where can we find you? I'm at... S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O. That's on Twitter. That's all over. You can find me at home. Um, I'm just kidding. kidding. Um, No, I'm on Instagram uh, at PennyLane64. So uh, I will be, I can Instagram all my little, my thoughts about Buffy or whatever I'm watching. You should. I will. I can, uh, so I can be Instagram those out. And I'm Paling64, I believe, on Twitter. I don't think you are. I'm not? <laughs> you retweet. You retweeted something, and I'm like, who is this person? And it I, was, have two, I think it was V Vidmar. You know why? Because I have two Twitter accounts. Okay. And I can never figure out Twitter. Yeah. I, th- so, I think you. it was V Vidmar is what you you would retweet it. When I, I like, figure out Twitter, I will put like, it on the well, Instagram. It's definitely not Penny Lane. <laughs> I think it is. It's just that I messed it up. Don't worry, people. I can never figure out Twitter. I'm not really. Yeah. Instagram is more my thing. They're and, not They're not very active on those. But I, occasionally, I will be. Uh, occasionally, Anthony posts something out there. Um, I'll make sure that I make, put it on the cultural stew. Yeah, we'll however you want to tag it. I I try to be as active as I can be. I kind of took a break there for a couple of weeks and then just kind of got back into things this week. You can find me over at Twitter as at GF Media um, and pretty much GF Media CEO or at GF Media pretty much everywhere. Vimeo page, you can go and see my latest film that uh, just dropped this morning. Had a cool. nice little preview for it last night down in Ithaca. Um, so that's over on my Vimeo page and you can find us at cultural stew net on Twitter. You can find us at cultural net and kind of get a, just basically every once in a while we'll put up a review, a review, but it's been a long time since we've added a review. I will but have time. You can listen to these episodes directly <laughs> from the page and go back and listen to them. And you can also find us on Facebook, um, as at the cultural student eh, cultural stew podcast so that's it that wraps up our show take care everyone we'll see you all next time hear you all next time <laughs> feel you all next time try for later <laughs>
Like what you've heard? Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. Please consider heading over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today.